take your copy of God's Word and turn with me this evening to the New Testament book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. The preacher of this New Testament book, this early sermon of the church, is just finishing a long description of the glories of Christ and his utter sufficiency. And he concludes with some instructions for the church. And here now with me, one verse of instruction for Christ's people. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. This is the word of the living God, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Now, O Lord, we pray that in this brief time of the preaching of your word once more this day, you would incline our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, our minds to be enlarged by the truths of your word. We pray that the word of Christ proclaimed would be his word to his people. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On such a day, one man in particular in the midst of a congregation, needs to be addressed from the Scriptures. But on such a day, it's also the entire congregation that needs to be addressed. What particular text of Scripture speaks to both realities? The setting apart of another elder, pastor, in the midst of the congregation. One who needs to be reminded of the weight of the task ahead but also for a congregation who needs to receive, again, the word calling them to their responsibilities to such an individual. All of this with the reminder of who Christ is. For you see the church, its officers, its purpose, its message, it is all of Christ. And so Christ is really our key focus this evening but a text that I think that is very helpful in speaking both to elders, to men who are being set apart, but also to the congregation is the text before us. It is one simple verse at the end of the book of Hebrews. In this passage, the congregation is addressed. It is given instruction. But in this passage, by way of implication, the weight of eldership, of pastoring the saints of a particular congregation is given pastor or elder and people all have instruction in Hebrews 13, 17. Let's look then, brothers and sisters, briefly at this text. As standing in our midst, Christ rules over his church. The first word of chapter 13, verse 17, is the word obey. Obey those who rule over you. This Greek word and its tense could be translated in the following way. Keep allowing yourself to be persuaded by, 
Keep allowing yourself, keep causing yourself to come under those. But who are the those that are mentioned here? Well, quite simply, it is those who rule over you or those who lead you. In chapter 13, verse 7, we read these words just a few verses prior. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. At least twice in this chapter, the congregation is encouraged to consider the lives of those who will pastor them, those who will rule over them and lead them. Notice in verse 7, there are two areas of focus. One, teaching. Look at verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you. But secondly, there is the task, the focus of leading. Elders or pastors really have two main areas of focus. Teaching the people of Christ and leading them always remembering that they are but under-shepherds, for Christ is the great shepherd. But verse 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. This could be translated, keep giving way to, keep yielding to, keep submitting to their authority. The word implies not just listening to their teaching, but also following their leadership. We have seen this, haven't we, over these last months as we've traversed the pages of First and Second Peter. Turn with me for just a moment to First Peter, just a few pages to the right. First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. There the word of God says this, The elders who are among you I exhort. Now you need to remember that elder is the same office as pastor. It's the same office as bishop. It's the same office as overseer or presbyter. They're all different words that point to different aspects of one of the two offices for Christ's church. There are elders or pastors and deacons. Tonight, our church sets apart a man who has been chosen by the entire body as an elder in the midst of Christ's church. Peter says then, 1 Peter 5, The elders who are among you I exhort... I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock." And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. You see, brothers and sisters, when the preacher of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, tells us to obey to those who rule over us and be submissive, there is the sense in which there is a leadership in view. Now, some may hear this and they may say, But what about congregationalism? I thought all the churches, each individual church made all of the decisions. Doesn't the congregation make its own leadership agenda? Well, no, beloved. Scripture is clear that the truest expression of congregationalism is that the church is the final court of authority for church discipline, membership, and for the selection of officers. Nowhere in Scripture is the church viewed as leading itself 
but rather being the final court of authority, which, according to the minds of Christ, the mind of Christ selects its own leaders, that they may, according to the will of Christ, lead a particular congregation. But why should we obey and submit to our leaders? The author of Hebrews tells us, notice there with me in verse 17, obey those who rule over you, these would be elders, the apostles, the office of apostle has been, conf- been finished. So these are elders or pastors. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. The reason why the church of Christ, the local church of Christ, is to submit and obey its leaders insofar as they lead in the way of Scripture is because these men watch out for their souls. We could translate this, they keep awake, they keep watch. It's almost as if the Greek word underlying this passage has in view a staying awake, staying alert, and even potentially losing sleep over the spiritual welfare of the flock. Or nursing with watchful eyes a critical situation. You see, elders, pastors, are pictured in Scripture not as men who are famous, but as men who are constantly on guard, constantly watching. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive because or for they watch out for your souls. This isn't easy, beloved. Not that churches are always difficult. Some are, some aren't. But this is a weighty statement. Watching over souls. Our brother Blake has been tested by this body for some time now. He and his wife have been a part of this congregation. He has preached and taught regularly. Our church has affirmed him as a gifted brother, one recognized to regularly teach under the shepherding watchful eyes of the elders. But some time ago, the elders brought this brother's name to the congregation for consideration as an elder. And for five weeks, with prayer and perhaps with fasting, this body considered the question. And just this past Lord's Day, Blake Lunsford was unanimously voted as the next elder or pastor of this church to join a team of elders who will do exactly what Hebrews 13, 17 says by God's grace. They will seek to watch out for the souls of the saints. Now, I've spent a lot of time with this brother. By God's grace, the two of us are not strangers. We've been in the car together Many hours. We've had many conversations spanning multiple years. I'm not sure there's an arena of theology that we haven't touched on. Our families have fellowshiped together. But brother, even though I know you quite well, let me just say to you, on the authority of Hebrews 13, 17, you are endeavoring to undertake a weighty task. You must be ready not simply to teach Christ's people, 
but to watch out for their souls. Perhaps in keeping with this idea of keeping watch, you must be prepared to sacrifice, to lose sleep over the souls of the saints here in this place. Christ has not entrusted you, brother, this task alone, but by his grace, churches are led by multiple elders. And we are so thankful, are we not, that as we have journeyed over these years as a church, we've seen a plurality of elders in our midst. I personally am thankful for that. But brother, I know you well enough to know that I don't have to remind you of this, but I must publicly You are being set apart to be one of a few men in this body who is charged with the task from Christ to watch out for these souls and to do it as those or as one who must give an account. You see, there's a double-edged sword here, isn't there? The congregation is told to submit to these leaders with Christ in view But these leaders are reminded that they are to watch out for souls, but the way that they're to do it is defined for us in the next phrase. They're to do it remembering that they must give an account to Christ, the chief shepherd. Elders will give an account to Christ for their work. Blake, Chad, Ryan, and whoever else the Lord calls in this local church through the years to elder We must do this task with Christ, the chief shepherd, in view. And we must do it with his eyes in focus more than the eyes of anyone else, including the body. We must be concerned as elders with Christ's view of our shepherding work more than we are with the people's view of our shepherding work, although we hope that those align in many cases. We hope that the people of this church love us, We hope that they feel like we're doing a good job, but this may or may not always be the case. And so we must elder and shepherd as those who will give an account to the Lord for our work. So the congregation is instructed, obey those who rule over you and be submissive because these men watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Brother... We watch out for souls together. But then the congregation is given one other word of instruction. Notice there with me. Remembering that they are watching out for souls and that they must give an account, the congregation is then instructed in this way. Let them, that is the elders, do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you It's a very interesting sentence in the New Testament. Let's try to unpack it for just a moment. You see, the congregation is to obey and submit to her leaders insofar as those men are in line with proper doctrine. Insofar as those men are not leading the congregation into sin, the congregation is to obey these leaders, to submit to them. We obey our leaders in teaching and we submit to their authority and leadership because they are watching over our souls and because they have to give an account to God. But also, the writer says, because if we don't, if we burden them unnecessarily in this task, then notice what he says. It's not profitable 
for you. Now, the writer is not making the members of the church the focus. It's all about you. (laughs) It's all about Christ. But notice what he does is he says, if you unnecessarily grieve these elders, if you cause their task to be one that is undertaken with grief, it won't be as profitable for you. They will not be able to do it with joy. And this will ultimately impact you. If you burden them in their task, your soul will not be as benefited, and these men will not have joy in the work. One way for members of a local church to ensure that they receive little profit from the ministry of the church is for a member or many members to unnecessarily cause grief or burdens for the leaders. Now, we need to consider the word grief, don't we? We are a people who will journey together with a thousand griefs in view. There will be funerals. There will be heartaches. There will be, through the years, children who do not confess Christ. There will be wayward grandchildren. There will be struggles. There will be challenges. This is not the grief that is in view. You may be thinking, well, if I don't want to grieve the elders, then I don't want to burden them with my spiritual troubles. But that's actually not what is in view here. Elsewhere in Scripture, it's the very thing that you are to do. It it is that you are to bring your challenges and your struggles to the elders who lead over you. What is not in view here is not wanting to burden them with true, actual problems. Weak faith, repentance of sin, burdens that are part of your life. Galatians 6, 1 and 2, we do what with each other's burdens? We carry them, don't we? No, the kind of grief here in view is a grief that results from not doing the first part of this verse. The context defines it for us. If you don't obey those who rule over you and seek to be submissive insofar as they are doctrinally accurate and not commanding you to sin, then that is the kind of grief that will make their work unprofitable for you. No, we share our burdens, but we have to be crystal clear as to what the text says. There are some griefs that come unnecessarily when brothers and sisters in the faith do not follow the guidance of the elders. Grace Baptist Chapel, as one man who is currently already a pastor, let me speak for just a moment on behalf of this one who is joining our elder team. Please do not make his work unprofitable for your souls. Please do not unnecessarily refuse to submit to him insofar as he is biblical, insofar as he's not calling you to sin, because it will hinder the profitability of the work. Elsewhere in Scripture, the church is reminded that she has been given gifts One of the gifts that the church has been reminded that she has 
is the word of Christ regularly proclaimed in her midst through men chosen of Christ by his spirit through the congregation. We don't want to be the kind of church that is not content with the gift that Christ has given. You see, let me just say this, because I can say it. (laughs) I'm not the one who is about to kneel in just a moment. But this man is, by all accounts, as Scripture calls him, a gift to the church. He's not a gift because he's sinless. He's not a gift because of his talents. He's not a gift because he's any more important than any of the rest of us. No, he's a gift because in God's providence, he has set this man apart through the voice of the congregation that we may be fed and led through him. Ephesians reminds us the great gifts which Christ gives his church. So we want to profit. There is a holy desire that we ought to have. When we consider our leaders, we want to profit from their teaching and their leading. We want the burdens that they carry that are ours to be burdens of repentance, burdens of life grief. We don't want to grieve them with a lack of submission. Perhaps there are areas in your life now or areas in your life in the future where you will be tempted to not let the elders of this church lead. We went through this together as a church just a few months ago. We do not follow elders who are not biblical. We do not follow elders who are causing us to sin. But we do follow elders insofar as they are biblical and not causing us to sin. Said differently, brothers and sisters, as we see this man coming before us and teaching and leading, there will, be, there will be challenges for him and for us. We're imperfect people, all of us, every last one of us. But our only biblical reasons for not seeking to obey and submit to this leader are if he is leading us into sin, if he is currently in unrepentant sin, or if he is unbiblical. Personal preference, personality style, Ministry philosophy are not reasons to reject the leadership of this brother. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Several years ago, Following one of our morning worship services, I met a couple. This couple was a missionary couple who had been in Turkey. Got to know them just a little bit. They were living in Richmond. I said, well, you mean you, you drove from Richmond to come to church here? <laughs> and I came to see that for several, several weeks, if not longer, this couple came and Many of us got to know them. The Lord brought them here in membership. And we sought to benefit from their gifts. Eventually, the elders sought to put this man forward as one who could teach regularly in the body, giving the body quite a bit of time to consider the teaching aspect of this man's life. 
I've seen in this man, not that this evening is about him, but I've seen in this man a godly burden for souls, which itself alone is not a qualification for ministry. We should all be burdened for souls, even the women in the room. But I saw this man evangelize. I've seen him teach. I've sat here, thankfully, with my family on multiple occasions, thinking to myself, the ministry of the word is happening, people are being fed, and I'm sitting in a seat. It's a blessing, really. Some of you have been at this church for just a short period of time. Others of you have been at this church for many, many years, like myself. And you've seen how Christ has been faithful to us over these years. Well, we are thankful that tonight another elder is set apart to serve in this place. But it's a weighty thing for us, is it not? But we have the opportunity to receive this evening the reminder that Christ has gifted his church with what it needs until he's here with us. And Blake, brother, you have this evening perhaps the weightiest of words to receive. They're startling words, brother. They're weighty words. They watch out for your souls as those who must give account. There is not a man on the face of the earth that is sufficient for these things. But our Christ has promised what? That by His Spirit He will empower His pastors, His ministers, His elders until He returns. Some will fail. Others will flounder. But many will cling to him, and through their simple words, like that perhaps of a donkey in the Old Testament, feeble messengers, people will hear of Christ, people will come to know Christ, people will be edified through the preaching of the word, through the leading of the elders. So church, tonight is a weighty night, not because we have one other man that gets to have an office in our midst but because the church of Christ is a living organism. Christ is her head. We are the body. Christ has a plan for how his church is to be led. He's made it clear. Christ has spoken, and he's told us we are to have elders and deacons. We are to preach the gospel. We are to administer the sacraments. We are to lead the sheep. We as an entire congregation are to proclaim Christ to a lost and dying world. We're to sing together, cry together, laugh together, praise together, do funerals together, do weddings together. And slowly over the course of time, sadly, at least for a moment, some of us will grow old and we will die. Others of us will die in the days of our youth. And next to us will be a seat of a saint that we served with, that we sang with, and they're no longer here. They're in glory. But the scripture even speaks to that, does it not? Where there is the church victorious that is with Christ even now. Some of our saints who were with us five years ago are with Christ face to face now. And then there's the church, militant. There's the church here on earth, 
seeking to follow after his design, and there will be men, feeble and frail ones, that will be chosen to simply lisp the words of the Savior. That's really what we do, isn't it? We lisp the words of the Savior. This is what he says. This is how we're to live. We struggle our way to try to figure out the best way to help the sheep hear the words. And more of us go to be with Christ. The Lord sometimes sees fit to grow his congregation. And he's doing that in our midst now. And by his grace, there's another lisper to come to the seat. To stand in this pulpit, to sit with the elders and lead to be available to you for counsel, to try to watch out for yourself. Think of this. Christ has given you three men, perhaps more in the months and years ahead, three men to watch out for your souls. He's concerned for your souls. So he gives you men. May we be men who watch out for the souls of the sheep. And may we be a church. Together, Grace Baptist Chapel, may we be a church that does this passage in such a way that this man, this one who joins us tonight as an elder can do so with joy and do so in a way that we profit. We profit. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. You see, Jesus saves sinners because he died on the cross for their sins. And every person who hears that Christ died for sinners and trusts in him, forsakes their sins, their breaking of God's law, forsakes trying to save themselves through good works, but sees Christ as the one who perfectly obeyed the Father in all things, and sees Christ as the one who hung on the cross to take our penalty for sin, our punishment, that one is saved. Christ lovingly gathers that one from the world and places that one in the midst of a church where they are nurtured and fed. Tonight we celebrate Christ's church together. If you don't know Christ, even in the preaching of this word tonight, hear that he will receive you if you come in faith. Church of Christ, let us seek to Allow this brother to serve with joy so that we and our children and our grandchildren, if the Lord wills, profit in our souls from his ministry among us. Let's pray. Living God, you have been so faithful to your church. Your church all across this globe for 2,000 years plus but even this local church, you've been so faithful to us. You've given us the gospel. You've caused us to abide in it. You've sent us beautiful saints through the years, some who are now with Christ, others who remain. And you've brought us more leaders and servants. This day, Father, we pray for the good of your church and the glory of her head our precious Savior Christ, that we may endeavor by your grace and for your glory to obey 
and submit to this leader, that you would give him what he needs to be biblical and to not lead us into sin. May he undertake this work well. And may we seek together as a congregation to follow that our souls and the souls of our children and if you will, the souls even of our grandchildren may profit from the ministry of the word through him in this place. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.